Tonight, we want to continue the series I started three Wednesdays ago on casting out demons. We established that demons exist and that they are not the figment of the imagination of some latter-day Pentecostals, but Jesus Christ was the one who introduced us to the subject. And the Bible says that when he came, he himself, he cast out demons. I would encourage you to get online and look at part one and part two, last two Wednesdays and last week Wednesday. Tonight is part three. Demons exist. They are disembodied beings and they stand to oppose the will of God and the work of God and the people of God. They work in many ways to hinder the work of God and they destroy a lot of things. The Bible says Jesus therefore asked us to cast them out. And we are told in the scriptures in the previous lessons we learned what they are, their characteristics, etc. And then we also saw that they are also behind diseases, afflictions, etc. Now, last week we looked at how to cast them out and we used the name of Jesus. That Jesus said to us, in my name, you shall cast out demons. So the name of Jesus is the first thing to use to cast out demons. We use the name of Jesus and we proved with many scriptures. Himself said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 17, it says that we should go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, you shall cast out demons. And throughout the scriptures, we saw that when Paul cast demons out, he used the name of Jesus Christ. Every place in scripture where Jesus name has been used to cast demons we proved that in the scriptures last week today we want to continue with the second thing to use the second weapon to use to cast demons out to cast demons out and it is use the word of God use the word of God to cast demons out demons have to be cast out we are told we use the name of Jesus to cast them out and nothing else. The name of Jesus is above thunder, lightning, and all other elements. And then we use the, the word of God. We use the word of God to cast demons out. And sometimes you can quote the word or read it aloud in the process. Especially scriptures that mention the victory of Christ over them and the promises of God concerning the situation that you are dealing with. The word of God is eternal. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is life. The word of God must be used to cast demons out. Please come with me to Matthew chapter 8 and the verse number 16. Matthew 8, 16. The scripture says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick. You know, when we started the series, we showed that anytime there is a situation of illness, Jesus cast the demons out and healing took place. So we use that to prove that demons are behind diseases and infirmities. They are behind afflictions, disasters, troubles, etc. And Jesus, for him to say that the main assignment he gave to us after he rose from the dead was to preach the gospel, cast out demons. It is a command and every believer must be taught how to cast demons out. They exist and they are real and we cannot discount them or refuse to acknowledge their existence all in the name of the fact that we believe we are saved and that probably some people are just being too spiritual and being superstitious. These entities exist. And the scripture tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. We proved also last week that demons a lot of demons can inhabit one person. 
So we saw that over 2,000 demons could inhabit one man in a place called Gadara. We also established that seven demons were in Mary Magdalene. So demons can be in a person. And when they go out also, they can go and bring seven more wicked spirits, more wicked than themselves. That tells us how they operate and their intention is wickedness. But we use the word of God. Apart from the name of Jesus Christ, we use the word of God. The Bible says in the evening, many people who were demon possessed were brought to Jesus. And he cast out the spirits with his word. He cast out the spirits with his word. His word is powerful. His word is authoritative. His word created all things. John 1.1 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And all things were made for him. And by him and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. And for him, all things, including Lucifer, including all these demons, all things were made by the word. The word was spoken and they came into existence. God created all things by his word. And when the word of God is spoken against the enemy, the devil and demons cannot stand against the word of God. That's why you must have the word of God in you. Because you must know the promises of God to speak it in the place of warfare against the enemy and to announce to him what God has already made a law, what God has made a covenant, what God has made a promise so that you stand on the basis of the integrity of the word of God and move the enemy off. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 that God watches over his word to perform it. He acts based on his word. And that's why we must use the word in dealing with the enemy. The scripture clearly says Jesus used the word to cast out spirits. And that gives us the strategy and the means of using that name founded upon scripture. Please come with me to Luke chapter 4 and verses 4 to 13. This scripture teaches us what happened when Satan himself came to tempt Jesus. Jesus dealt with him by his word, with his word. He used the word to deal with the devil and to kick him out of the way when he came to tempt him, to rob him of his inheritance and the promises of God concerning Jesus' life. The Bible says Satan came to tempt him. And when Satan came to tempt Jesus, Jesus defeated him using the word. His word, the word of the Lord, is what was used to deal with the devil. The scripture tells us the words that I speak, they are life and their spirit and that is used to cast demons out now the bible says that when he had gone to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights when he had gone to pray for 40 days and 40 nights the bible says when the fasting was over Satan came, Satan himself, not a demon, Satan himself came to tempt him. And the Bible says, Jesus, so Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, if we read from verse 12, if you are the son of God, sorry, verse 4, verse 3 says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Luke chapter 4, verse 4 to 13. And verse 4, the Bible says, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Now, take note that at this very point, way in the wilderness, Jesus was not holding a Bible. He wasn't holding a scroll. He wasn't holding the Torah. He wasn't holding anything. He's gone for prayer, for fasting, for 40 days and 40 nights. When it was finished, Satan came to tempt him. And the scripture says, 
the voice of the enemy said to him, if you are the son of God, you see, it has to be, it has to be prefaced with if, because Satan is a created being. He doesn't know all things at the same time. It is only God who is omniscient. That means he knows all things at the same time. Satan would have observed and probably studied the prophecy way back in Genesis 3, when God said that the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. I'm sure he would have been observing and studying the prophecy over the years and could determine that it is possible that this could be the son of God this could be the Messiah himself and when he arrived that day I believe when Jesus started the prayer Satan himself would have sent demons and principalities to go and interrupt it by the kind of prayer going on in the wilderness I'm sure that all the demons were returning back to base to report to their master what is going on there is something that is beyond us we have seen the intercessions of Daniel we have seen that of Moses we have seen that of Elijah and we have seen that of Jeremiah. We have seen that of the prophets. But what is going on there in the wilderness for the past 40 days and 40 nights? Master, you have to go there yourself. I believe that is the scenario here that the devil himself put in an appearance. And the Bible said when he came, he said, I may not be sure, but if you are that son of God, turn these stones into bread. And the Bible said, Jesus said to him, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus responded with the word. He dealt with the enemy by using the word of God. And he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Jesus did not have a Bible with him. The word was in him. Himself was the word. And when the tempter came, when the devil himself came, he dealt with him by saying, it is written. You can't deal with demons until you know what is written. Until you have the word in you so that you can release the word. There are times a Bible may not be handy, but the word of God must be in you so that you will speak it against the voice of the enemy that is trying to tempt you out of the way of the plans of God so he can have you to destroy you. The Bible said when he said it to Jesus, he could have turned the stones into bread, but he didn't because he's not going to submit himself to an instruction from the devil. He wasn't going to allow the desires of the flesh to trap him into Satan's strategy and plans. It was a temptation of the flesh. Turn these stones into bread and Jesus answered, it is written. And he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Let's move on to the next thing. Satan didn't give up. He moved on verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You know, many times when we read this in the past, people have asked, how did the devil take him to a high mountain? All these things would have been taking place in the mind. When the devil is dealing with you, he works on your mind. Jesus didn't physically leave the wilderness to come to those places. The devil was communicating with him through his mind and through his spirit. There was a communication that was going on. And that is the same way temptation sometimes lands in your head. And you start meditating on the evil thing until you finally commit it. A voice was speaking to you. A voice of the enemy would have been speaking to you. It is that communication. He would have taken your mind sometimes on a fantasy tour of some places you shouldn't be thinking about and someone you shouldn't be imagining. That's how the enemy came in to to have that communication with him after he had fasted and prayed that's why when you are fasting and praying you need to be very careful because when we fast and pray the spirit world opens the bible says satan came in here and he took him up on a take him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time this couldn't have been physical this was spiritual and the bible says and the devil said to him all this authority I will give to you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. I've always said that this is the one and only time Satan spoke anything closest to truth. He said, all the glory of the world has been delivered to me. Did you realize he didn't say that I, it is mine? He said, it was delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? When Adam and Eve sinned, they handed over the lease of the earth, the glories of the earth, the kingdom of the earth, the authority of the earth that was given to man as part of his creative mandate. When man was created, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion 
over the nation, over the world. And so here Satan comes to say, it has been delivered to me. It was delivered to him when Adam and Eve sinned. They handed it over to him. And that's why Jesus had to come because the devil took the authority from flesh and blood. God had to become flesh and blood to take it back on behalf of us so that when we go through him, we get restored into our creative mandate. And that is the beautiful thing about what Jesus did on the cross for us and about the plan that God has for us. So the Bible said, he said, all this I will give to you if you will worship me. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Verse 8, and Jesus answered and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written again. That's how you cast demons out. Get thee behind me. It is written again using the word. Jesus style. Using the word. For it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God. And only him shall you serve. Again Jesus said it is written. Where is it written? Exactly in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6 13. He wasn't opening Bible. It was in him. But he said it is written. He must make reference to the word. The word is life. The word is spirit. And when we speak it out of us. It changes. It carries power. It carries authority. It's one thing when we read the graphic. The written word. But when we take the word inside us. And we bring it out. It becomes rima. It becomes powerful. It becomes energized. It becomes empowered. It begins to work. It becomes living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrating to divide asunder soul and spirit. The word. That's why you must eat the word. You must read the word. You must take it in and you release it out. Satan is not afraid of paper Bible. It's sold in the market. Otherwise all demons would have left the marketplace. But you must take what is there, put it in you, and release it. And your tongue becomes the launching pad for the release of the missiles of the word of God. Amen. Jesus said, it is written. So here again, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6.13. That you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you worship. So Satan, I'm not buying your idea. I'm not worried about the kingdoms of the world, because they are mine already. And I'm coming to take it back from you. But he used the word to nullify the thing. It wasn't an argument. He didn't call thunder, lightning, or anything. He used the word. Used the word. I told you last week, that when Jesus was casting demons out... He commanded them to leave because he was actually there. When we cast demons out, we use his name, the authority of his name. When he casts demons out, he doesn't say in the name of Jesus because he is. But when we cast out, we use his name. And when we come to the second weapon to use, weapons of our warfare, it is the word. Somebody shout the word. Hallelujah. He says it is written. Then the Bible says in verse 9, then he brought him, Satan brought him to Jerusalem. Again, these things are taking place in that mode I just described to you. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written. Again, so you see here, Satan also then quotes the word. That's why you cannot be engaged with the devil and demons. In spiritual warfare, when you yourself don't know the word. Because Satan also knows the word. Remember, on this occasion, he too was not holding a Bible. And yet, he was quoting. He also said, jump, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you, and in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your feet against a stone. Satan quoted Psalm 91, verse 11 to 12, word for word. Satan also quoted the word. You can't deal with the devil who knows the word and you don't know the word. You must know the word. Remember that he also knows the word. So he was trying to, to manipulate the scripture. He was trying to quote it out of context. But when you don't have knowledge of the word, 
you can be caught off guard and may follow it because it appeared as if it was quoted from the word. But in what context? The Bible says after Jesus had quoted twice, Satan also quoted to justify his position to compel Jesus. In other words, he was looking at what method Jesus was using to defeat him. And he tried to use the same method to tempt him. The very same principles and method and ways by which you avoid a particular temptation. It is in the same means that the devil will try to use to tempt you back into the thing. And will try to lure you to justify an act of sin. Because when we sin, we open the spiritual gates for the devil to access and to destroy. The Bible says, he that breaks a hedge, the serpent will bite. When we walk in holiness and in the fear of God, there is a wall of protection around us. In Job chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible said, when the devil appeared together with the sons of God, that appeared before God, the Bible says, God asked Job, asked the devil, where have you been? He said, I've been moving to and fro the earth. And then God said, have you considered my servant Job? See how righteous he is. See how he walks before me. See how blameless he is. And then the Satan said to God, he said, does Job serve you for nothing? Is it not that you have put a hedge of protection around him and over all that he owns? If you take your hands of protection off and he's left vulnerable, he will curse you to your face. You see, the devil knows that he couldn't touch Job because there's a hedge of protection around him. And, and that's why you need to walk in the fear of the Lord and in righteousness when you are dealing in spiritual warfare. We are in constant warfare. The moment you become born again, you are enlisted in the army of God. And you become a target by the powers of darkness to take you back into their domain and to frustrate the plans of God for your life. And the Bible says that if, if we break the hedge, the serpent will bite us. Here we have a situation where Satan is also quoting the scriptures. Psalm 91 verse 11 to 12. How many of you listening to me know Psalm 91 verse 11 to 12 of head? Satan knows that one. And you want to tell him to back off. You must have the word in Jesus name. Now the Bible says, then he brought him to Jerusalem and he quoted the Psalm 91 verse 11 to 12. And verse 12 says, And Jesus answered and said to him. Luke chapter 4 verse 12. And Jesus answered and said to him. It's also written. <laughs> it is also written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Hallelujah. This is enough to show that Jesus is God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And he quoted from Deuteronomy 6, 16. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Jesus quoted the word to deal with the enemy. And when he had said this, verse 13. And now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him for an opportune time. Even Satan departed from Jesus for another opportune time. Last week we saw that when evil spirits, when demons are cast out of a man, they go about roaming in places and try to always stage a comeback to come back in there we are told when jesus cast the devil out or in other words defeated satan with his word he left for a season it is possible he may have tried to come back in many forms we saw that he was trying to work through peter to resist him and the bible says jesus looked at peter and said get thee behind me satan and he has also said it here before get thee behind me satan get out of the way but he used the word on three occasions jesus quoted the word on three occasions he quoted from deuteronomy 8 3 in response to a satanic temptation and attack and then he quoted deuteronomy 6 13 again in response to a satanic attack and then he quoted for deuteronomy 6 16 again in response three times jesus quoted the word if you will cast demons out you must have the word. You must use the word. And you must announce it with authority. That this is what God's word says. And based on God's word. I command you out of here. When the devil brings diseases and sicknesses. Remind him. Make a statement. Using the word of God. All demons that are here. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I command you out. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. You have no right to afflict this body with a disease. Because the word of God says. 
himself took our infirmities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. And he said that we should use his name to cast you out. So I cast you out. In case the devil tried to question with what authority you are casting him. You must know where it is written that you must use the word to cast him. So you must have the word of God in you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 to 15. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. It says, And you, being dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Jesus has made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So sometimes in a situation where you are casting demons, you can read this scripture out. You can declare it because it's very clear there that he disarmed principalities and powers. So you announce to that power of darkness to say, Jesus, 2020 years ago, disarmed you. I came to enforce that one and you were publicly defeated and humiliated and he made a public show of you openly triumphing over you in it and he has blotted out every handwriting of ordinances against us you have no mandate therefore to attack this house you have no mandate therefore to attack my business you have no mandate therefore to inhabit that house you have no mandate therefore to harass that family in the name of jesus christ come out and you issue an order based on the word. I pray that we will learn to practically apply the word and announce it to the powers of darkness that they have no mandate based on the word in the name of Jesus. So whenever these things are going on, you can read the scriptures out in certain levels of the warfare where it is sometimes some demons become stubborn, but you have authority in Jesus' name. Sometimes they reluctantly would leave. But whatever they are resistance, you have authority, you keep on emphasizing it and they will back off because they cannot prevail against the name of Jesus and they cannot prevail against the word of God. And you must know what God has promised in his word so that you will announce it consistently. And the word of God is law. It is an eternal law. It is binding in heaven. It is binding on earth. It is binding under the earth. The word of God is authority. It is powerful. It is life. And we use it to cast demons out. Sometimes you need to announce to the devil what God has planned to do from his word. You need to use the word to command him to come out. And remember, it's not a suggestion to come out. You command him to come out. You command demons to come out and you base it on the word of God. He can't fight the word. The word gave birth to him. He cannot prevail against the word. So use the word in Jesus' name. The third weapon to use when we have to cast demons out is a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. A lifestyle of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer should not be an annual thing in your life. It should be a lifestyle. I'm not saying that 365 days fast every day. No, but there must be consistent fasting. Even if it is once or twice a week, you are fasting and because fasting opens the spirit world. Fasting prepares you to receive from God. Fasting is not to hold God at ransom. It is to prepare your vessel and to focus your mind on God so that God's purposes can be done. So that you can pray effectively without being distracted. And in that mode, heaven opens. Power is released. Unctions are released in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit after fasting and prayer. Please come with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. And then we will look at verses 31 to 36. Now remember that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had come to be chapter 3 he was baptized in chapter 4 he was led by the spirit Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says and he was Jesus returned from the Jordan and then he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to fast and to pray for 40 days and 40 nights what power 
what unction, what authority. And you see, that is why you need to be alert and not to take things for granted. For, for Jesus to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights, you can imagine the power, the unction, and the anointing in that whole place. I mean, me, ordinary James and Sinsaki, when I pray and fast for three days, I feel some unction. Even when I fast for a day, I feel some presence. I feel some unction. I feel some power. And for Jesus to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights, you can imagine power. Satan walked into that atmosphere coolly to tempt him. <laughs> and that is why you need to be vigilant. When the Bible says be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, moves about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This is not fun. This is real. So when we fast and pray, it is not an immunity against the devil. He would rather come. The anointing attracts the devil. Anointing attracts the enemy. The anointing attracts warfare. You can't be anointed and think that you won't have warfare. You will have real war. Sometimes the test of the level of anointing on your life is indicated by the kinds of battles that you face. And the Bible said, Jesus went to fast and pray. And remember that we just finished reading from verse 4 of Luke chapter 4 up to verse 13. And when the thing was over, Satan left. In other words, we can technically call it, he was cast out by the word. But look at it from verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. Take note of the difference. In verse 1 of Luke chapter 4, he was led by the spirit to the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. And at the end of the fasting, scripture says he returned in the power of the spirit. You need the power of the spirit to cast demons out. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's why the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes. And you shall be my witness. A witness produces evidence. If you preach the gospel in a territory and the powers of darkness rise up, you have got the evidence by the power of the spirit and you command them to leave and they'll have to leave for there are three that bear record in heaven the father the son and the holy spirit and these three are one and there are three that bear witness on earth the water the blood and the spirit and these three agree in one the holy spirit is a witness and the bible says jesus returned in the power of the spirit fasting and prayer will cause you to walk in the power of the spirit. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Verse 15. And he thought in their synagogues, being glorified by all. They were surprised at the level of depth of revelation. He was preaching by the power of the spirit of God. He was, in, he was releasing revelations, teaching insightful contextual teachings. Powerful teaching. At one point, the Bible says that the Pharisees sent people to go and try to spy out on him and find fault with his teaching. And the Bible says they returned and said, no man teaches like him. For he teaches with great authority. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And the Bible says he returned in the power of the spirit. And news of him went throughout the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Let's jump to verse 31. And then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching on the Sabbaths. Verse 32. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Verse 33. Now in the synagogue where he was preaching, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. You know, I jokingly say, was there a clean demon? It is it is an evil spirit. That is just the word that was used there. But in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Who had a spirit of a demon. An evil spirit was in that man. And he cried out with a loud voice. Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. After 40 days and 40 nights, his presence alone was provoking the powers of darkness. 
Satan demonic spirits that are in a man immediately were agitated because of his presence. You need to fast and pray. Walk in fasting and prayer. Power is released. Unction is released. It creates an atmosphere for the move of the Holy Spirit. Fasting and prayer creates an atmosphere for the movements of the Holy Ghost. And when you carry that kind of lifestyle... Wherever you get to, and powers of darkness, satanic beings, witches and wizards, demons are present. Your presence will agitate them. And it will compel they are being cast out by the anointing. And the Bible says that, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, leave us alone. What have we to do with you? See, one man, he said, leave us. That means there was more than one demon in him. Leave us alone. What have we to do with you? Jesus of Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? And when the demon had thrown the man down. In the middle of the people. It came out of him. And did not hurt him. A lifestyle of fasting and prayer. Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. I don't want you to miss that bit. Returned in the power of the spirit. If you cast demons out, you must walk in the power of the spirit. We are told he was led by the spirit to fast and pray. But after fasting and prayer, the side effect was that this time he returned in the power of the spirit. He returned in the power of the spirit. May you return in the power of the spirit. May you walk in the power of the spirit. And when someone carrying the presence and power of the spirit gets into a place, a demon begins to get agitated and he convulsed a man and made the man to fall down and he came out of him. Hallelujah. He came out and he did not hurt the man. Then the people were amazed. And they spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. This was the testimony. He returned in the power of the spirit. And so when the agitation was going on, which we will call manifestations, satanic manifestation or demonic manifestation in that person in the congregation, he now commanded the demons to leave and the bystanders and the witnesses and the people in the church said, what a word is this? You see, he used his word to command them out. And with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. Authority and power. From where? From the spirit. Fasting and prayer creates such an atmosphere. I pray that you will love to fast and pray. It shall become your lifestyle. Take in the word and then fast and pray. When you fast without prayer, and the word, you are starving yourself. But when we fast, we must pray and we must read the word. Take in more of the word and continue to pray. Something supernatural happens. The powers of darkness begin to recognize when you show up anywhere. That's why some people who fast and pray and carry the presence of God. There are some places we get to and some people just don't like us for any reason. There is something wrong somewhere. There is a spirit in them that is being stirred up, that is being agitated. May we have Christians who carry the presence and power of the spirit because they have fasted and prayed and have loaded their spirit with the word in Jesus name. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says this demon came out after such a result of fasting and prayer. Please come with me to Mark 9, 25 to 24. Glory be to Jesus. Lifestyle of fasting and prayer. Because this guarantees that you carry the glory and presence of God. In Jesus name. Mark chapter 9. Verse 25. When Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit. Remember my teaching on rebuke. We don't go look at demons and say I rebuke, I rebuke, I rebuke you. It's similar to say, I insult you, I insult you, I insult you. It carries no power. Rebuke is describing what has been done. So he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you see, he said something to it that constitutes the rebuke. He said, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you. You see the use of the words. Use the same thing. I command you. You carry authority to command. We don't suggest to them. We don't appeal to them. We don't beg them. You command them to come out. 
You don't do Satan. Please leave my daughter alone. Come on. The Bible says the tender message of the wicked is cruelty. That means if, he's showing, if Satan cannot love, if he's showing you mercy, tender message, that is when he shows cruelty. When he's being cruel, that is his tender message. Command them to live. They know how to play with you. They know how to play with people who don't seem to know who they are in God. Command them. Jesus said, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed the boy greatly and came out of him. And he became like someone who was dead. So that many people said that he is dead. Verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. Verse 28. And when he had come into the house. So this happened on the street. When Jesus finally came home with his disciples. His disciples asked him privately. Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind, the Bible is yours. You can circle, underline, highlight, depending on what medium of Bible you are holding, whether electronic or hard copy. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. That suggests that there are different kinds of demons. And that we will show that next week, probably by the grace of God, I will share different kinds of demons. But this kind, Jesus is the one teaching here. <laughs> we, may, we may subject the ones of Paul to argument and theological debate, but Jesus said, this kind of demon, this kind, because he said, why couldn't we cast it out? You know, Jesus had been on the mount for some time with Peter, James, and John. That was when. Elijah and Moses appeared to them in what we call the transfiguration. And whilst they were there, this man brought his son for the rest of the nine apostles to cast the demon out. And they struggled with it for all the period that Jesus was up there. And whilst they were up there, remember, they would have been in a state of fasting and prayer on the mountain. And when he returned, he would have returned with power and authority. That's why he commanded the thing and he just left. And the disciples were shocked. Now, let me educate you here that these nine gentlemen who were struggling to cast this demon out of the boy, this was not their first time of having to cast a demon out. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter 9, three chapters earlier, I want you to come with me there and then we will return to, to this here. But Mark chapter 9, sorry, Mark chapter 6, we have been reading chapter 9, so... We are looking at chapter 6 now. If you pick from verse 7, just remember that this, these guys have been given some power to cast some demons out. Verse 7 says, And he called the twelve to himself, began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He was sending them on a mission to go and do practicals and come back. Now, verse 12 says, these 12, including the nine that were in chapter 9, they were struggling there. These 12, these 12 men, Jesus had sent them to go and preach. And they went. Look at verse 12. So they went out and they preached that people should repent. Verse 13. And they cast out many demons. So the nine men who were struggling in chapter 9, in chapter 6, they had cast out demons before. And they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Hallelujah. See, when you read the Bible, there is no reference that Jesus ever carried oil and anointed people. But we can see from this verse that it is possible he did so. Because the apostles will not attempt to cast demons out or use oil to pray for people if they didn't see Jesus ever use it. And not, it was, after, this event here was not after his death. He just sent them to go out and preach. And they took oil with them. That means he saw them take the oil. That means they've seen him do it before. Just that the scripture told us in John that truly many signs and many other things Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, but they were all not recorded. However, we can infer from this very verse 
that it is possible that Jesus actually anointed many with oil. Otherwise, when he was sending his disciples, they wouldn't dare take oil with them. The scripture tells us in verse 13, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Glory be to Jesus. And the scripture confirms that in James chapter 5 from verse 13 to 16. It says, is anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, the pastors of the church, and let them anoint him with oil and pray over him. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So using oil is biblical. Yes, that we can't. We, we shouldn't become so fixated on oil that if we can't find oil, we can't de deal with demons. In Jesus' name. When it is olive oil, it is olive oil for a reason because, you know, to get the oil from the olive seed is very hard. That tells you the anointing is hard to come by. It's a price to pay. That's why they have to crush it and get it out. It's not cheap. Okay? But when it becomes necessary... Oil is oil. It's a symbol of the Holy Ghost. I remember when we were in boarding school and there was some demonic attack in the girls' dormitory. At 2 a.m., the head teacher sent for some of us because we were, we were warriors in the school. We were prayer warriors. And, and, and they sent for us to come. We don't have oil. I was dining hall prefect. So I passed by the pantry in the dining hall fetch some oil that had been used to cook the night before and carried it to the girl's dormitory and dealt with the demon. Whatever be the case, oil or no oil, the name of Jesus should be sufficient. The name of Jesus should be sufficient. The word of the Lord should be sufficient. Frightal, it was frightal. I took frightal. It was not olive oil. Frightal is, is a type of oil. I just carried it, smeared and deal with the situation. We were zealous and we are carrying that as our days. So shall our strength be. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. May you not be afraid of any demon. Yes, Let them not scare you. From family gods to principalities and powers, territorial spirits, all kinds of powers of darkness. In the name of Jesus, you have authority as a child of God. You carry the power of God and the presence of God. The only thing is that you may carry power and when you don't exercise it, you look like a failure. You look like someone who can be defeated. Take your place now as a child of God. And having done all to stand, stand. Hallelujah. Amen. So these men in Mark chapter 6, they had cast demons out before. So in chapter 9, when they were struggling with that case there, it wasn't that they haven't seen it before. But they realized something was different this time. And so when Jesus came to bail them out, of what was appearing to be a public ridicule that they had worked with the man and they couldn't cast the demon out. The Bible says when they came back to the house, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind, in other words, this kind of demon cannot come out except by prayer and fasting except you have the preparation of fasting and prayer that puts you in a particular atmosphere to carry a certain level of authority to deal with this kind of demon but i came to announce to you all kinds of demons bow to the name of jesus your preparation you as a vessel is what is being talked about here there is something that changes when we walk in the place of fasting and prayer and carry the word of god this kind will not leave except by a preparation of fasting and prayer. May you gain the upper hand in the mighty name of Jesus. This guarantees that you carry the glory and the presence of God regularly in Jesus' name. Third weapon, preparation. Sorry, that, that will be four. That will be four. That will be four. Because the third one is lifestyle of fasting and prayer. First one is the name of Jesus. Second one is the word of God. Third one is lifestyle of fasting and prayer. And I'll leave you with the fourth one today. Holy living. A lifestyle of holy living. A lifestyle of holy living. It's a basis for having authority to cast demons out in Jesus' name. Holy living. One who is full of the word and full of the Holy Ghost. You must be full of the word and be full of the Holy Ghost. 
It was a qualification for the deacons in the Bible. It was a qualification for the apostles. It was a qualification for every man of God. And every Christian must be full of the word and be full of the Holy Spirit. It is in your interest to live a holy life because of spiritual warfare. The Bible says that my little ones stay out of idolatry. Touch not the evil thing so that the evil one will not touch you. If we walk in sin, we open the gates for the powers of darkness to gain easy access to us. And we lose the authority over them because we are not carrying the vessel in sanctification and holiness. In Acts chapter 19 verse 13 to 16, the Bible says then some of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they said to him, we command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests who did this thing. And the evil spirit answered them. The evil spirit had the infantry. The evil spirit had the audacity to question them. May the devil not question you. May evil spirits not question you. And the only reason why they had that situation is because they don't have a foundation of righteousness and holiness in the sight of God. And a lot of Christians are going up and down trying to bind demons when they don't seem to have what it takes to bind demons because they are still walking in sin and they think they are deceiving who? You are mincemeat for the devil. You, the, the demons are not afraid of you. You don't shake them at all. You know, I was told a story about a young lady who went to an all-night prayer meeting and, and came and went to this church. She's, she's just got born again into the church, but she's still living in sin, sleeping with men and not ready to repent. And, and she went to church and they said everybody should bring oil. <laughs> and, and then she goes to get the oil, came back home and then she, she was misbehaving. And then she... She started taking the oil and spreading that all the demons in the family, she's dealing with them. And when I heard the story, I said, look at you. You are funny. You don't have what it takes to deal with them. This thing is not fun. Remember, these people still use the name of Jesus. And yet, a demon questioned them. It is not just the use of the name. It is the vessel using the name. Please, God is a God of order and conditions. The Bible says in the James 5 account that we read, he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, 5.16, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man produces results. It's not just the effectual fervent prayer of just anybody. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the vessel making the prayer, it is very important. It is not the rod. It is the holder of the rod. The Bible says Elisha had a servant. His name was Gehazi. This guy could have carried a quadruple portion of the anointing that was on Elisha or on Elijah. For Elijah was served by Elisha. And when Elijah was living, Elisha prayed and said to him that I desire. A double portion of the anointing on your life. It came to him. He had Gehazi, but Gehazi's height, heart was not right. Gehazi was not serving with a right heart. Gehazi was going behind his senior pastor and collecting bribes in his senior pastor's name. That is lies. He lied to Naaman and said to him, my master had just had some visitors. There were no visitors. That was a lie. My master said, I should come to you and that you should give me two changes of raiment and gold and silver. That was a lie. And you are breaking the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not lie. And you are breaking the laws of God. And you are walking with an anointed man of God. And the Bible says when he even came home, he had the audacity to even lie to the prophet. But he didn't know that the prophet had picked him out already. He was asked, where have you been, Gehazi? He said, I haven't been anywhere. I was just in the house. And the master said to him, 
Elisha said to him, didn't my spirit go with you when you went out of the way and collected those bribes which you have gone to put in your room? May the leprosy of Naaman cleave to you. And he was cursed. But before this event, you see, it is very clear that his heart had not been right. When that woman of Samaria, who Elisha had prayed for, 2 Kings chapter 5, had prayed for the Shunammite woman, and, and she had been given a miraculous baby, a boy. Next year, by this time, you shall embrace a son. And the Bible says somewhere along the line, the boy had a headache, and then he died. And the woman rode all the way to see Elisha in another city. And when she got there, she said, it is well. Even though she knew that she had, the, baby, the boy had died. And the Bible says, Elisha gave his staff, his rod, gave it to Gehazi and said, run to the house and put it on the boy so he will come back to life. Elisha's servant Gehazi carried the rod. He ran to the house. He put it on the boy, but there was no life. It is not the rod. It is the holder of the rod that makes the difference. It is the vessel carrying the anointing of God that makes the difference. It's the vessel carrying the presence of God that demons also recognize. That is why in the Acts chapter 19 account, the demon said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? But the guys use the name of Jesus. If just the usage of his name, demons would have bowed, then they would have left. But they don't just leave. I want you to understand the technicality of the issues in the spirit. The vessel carrying the anointing matters in the matter. Amen. Gehazi couldn't raise a boy back to life. Elisha had to walk all the way, get back to that house, and had to be the one to use the same thing to raise the boy. May the Lord help you that it is not just the name. Do we use the name of Jesus? But those that believe in him must keep their vessels pure in the name of Jesus. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. They still use the name. But they didn't have what it takes. They don't carry the clouds. They don't carry that authority in the spirit. I pray for you tonight as you hear the sound of my voice. Don't just be someone who wants to go to church. There must be a time in your life where a pastor is not praying for you to cast the demon in your family out. You must deal with it. And you must grow in God to understand the issues of holiness and sanctification. It is in your interest. It's not in the interest of God. God won't have a sleepless night because you live an unholy life. If you live in sin, Satan will overpower you. Because some people use his name and still nothing. Because they have no relationship with him. They carry no imputed righteousness and they don't carry what it takes. In the realm of the spirit, how does Satan assess you? When you bind, is it really bound? When you command them to leave, are they questioning you back and laughing at you? I pray that we will have Christians who know their place in God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. They fled from that house naked and wounded. Let's look at Acts 13. I will end, I will end on this note. I will end on the, the holy living. Holy living. Acts 13, verse 6 to 12. Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. A sorcerer is an agent of darkness. He's a human being, but he uses satanic powers. He's a witch doctor. A false prophet. A Jew. His name was Bar Jesus. Jesus was a common name in those days. That's why we always qualify it with the Christ. Jesus is a derivative of Joshua. Savior. But Jesus the Christ... Hallelujah. The anointed one. The anointed savior. Who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. An intelligent man. This man who was like a deputy mayor of a city. Called for Barnabas and Saul. And want to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer. For so is his name translated. Withstood them. He stood in their way. He may have spiritually resisted them, cast spells against them, cast enchantments 
and all forms of satanic divination and satanic rituals to hinder them. And the Bible says, and he was seeking to turn the mayor away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus, looked intently at him and he said, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you. The hand of the Lord in prophecy is the Holy Spirit. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This, this sorcerer definitely had evil spirits that he's working with. Now, for him to become blind, it means that those demons were silenced and were commanded out. They lose their place. They, they couldn't change the event. Paul's presence, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God, the holiness of God, the glory of God was in him, was upon him. Paul was walking in holiness. And as a result of that, he got into this place and this man was casting spells and no weapon formed against him prospered. Now, before you quote Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, read verse 15. It says, in righteousness, you shall be established. In righteousness, you shall be established. In righteousness, you shall be established. May you have a righteous life. In Jesus' name. And this guy, anytime you deal with a witch doctor, you have actually dealt with the spirits that were controlling him, that he was using. They have no power. They have been sacked. And therefore, he's left in that state. He became blind. Where were the powers? That's exactly what happened in Egypt. Anytime Moses lifted that rod or allowed Aaron to lift the rod, a bitter spiritual battle ensues in the spirit and judgment came upon the gods of Egypt. The Bible says, and upon all their gods, there was judgment. He executed judgment. So when there was darkness in the land, the sun god, Ra, was judged. And there was darkness for three days, indicating that his power of control had been broken. Whenever we see a physical manifestation, it's a sign that the spirit behind it has been dealt with. When Jesus dealt with the deaf and dumb spirit, the boy spoke. When this witch doctor became blind, it means that what was giving him authority and power was dismissed and sacked by Paul and he was left blind. May you carry the holiness of God. In sanctification in the name of Jesus. When you see temptation, you read temptation in the context of spiritual warfare. So it's not a desire of the flesh that you need to meet. But you have to ask yourself, how much away am I giving to the enemy to have advantage over me? In Jesus' name. May God help us. That's why the Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 7. As I conclude, let's look at two scriptures quickly and then we end. James 4, 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to God. To submit means to yield completely. Yield. Surrender. And to God, he is his word. So you surrender to the laws of his word. And when we live by the laws of the word of God, we are walking in holiness. As for the righteousness, it has been imputed to us based on the finished work at Calvary. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 22, it says that he himself, 21 and 22, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be seen so that we can become the righteousness of God. So we became righteous as a result of the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. Our account was credited. But we now, must walk in holiness. In other words, apply the word of God to our lives and we are living in holiness. And the scripture says, submit yourself therefore to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Himself is a rebel. So if you rebel against the word of God, he's not afraid of you. All demons have rebelled against God's word. So if you would deal with them, you must submit yourself to the word of God. 
So when God's word says, walk in holiness, you walk in holiness. It's not some young pastor trying to tell you how to live. And I'm older than him. He doesn't tell me what to do. Where the word of God is older than you. And the word is the one speaking. It's in your interest to walk in holiness. And in the realm of the spirit, the devil even knows. Demons know that they have to come cautiously when they are coming near your door. In Jesus name. He is his word. So we submit to his word. Then he says, resist the devil. Then he will flee. You must resist him. You must command him out. When you see anything that is not in line with God's promises for that of your life, your family, your ministry, your church, your Christian work, anything that is not in line, you must deal with the powers of darkness behind it. Don't be afraid and don't try to be more civil and more intellectual. That's how the devil gets many people. If you bind and there's no demon, you have not lost. You have edified yourself. If you fail to bind and there's a demon, you have lost. May the Lord help you. Amen. Finally, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. It says, We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that the wicked one touch him not. Satan can't touch you. Demons can't touch you. They can't prevail against you. The scripture is very clear. 1 John 5, 18. We know whosoever is born of God cannot sin. If you are entertaining sin, you have to assess your life. How much of the word is in you? How much are you willing to obey the word of God? To walk in his ways. He that is born of God keeps himself. Tonight, keep yourself. In Jesus' name. No matter the pressures out there, keep yourself in holiness and sanctification. That's where the power lies. That is also the reason why Satan tempts you to sin. That's why he brings you beautiful situations to sin. He's looking for something. From tonight, may you have revelation in the word. He that is born of God, are you born of God? Does not sin. They keep themselves and the evil one cannot touch them. In Jesus name, keep yourself. So that if the evil one cannot touch you, it means that you have authority to cast him out. Tonight, I leave you with this. Remember to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. Remember to use the word of God to cast out demons. Remember to live a lifestyle of holiness to cast demons out. And remember to walk in a lifestyle of prayer and fasting that prepares you to deal with satanic situations. There are times there are things are so unpredictable. Satan is not waiting for you. He's not going to give you notice like an exam timetable to say I'm going to attack you on June 1st. No, it can come suddenly and you must be ready at every time. In the mighty name of Jesus.